Welcome to Law Startups Podcast. I'm Mike Schneider. And I'm Joe Wallen. Uh, today, we are lucky to have in the uh, studio with us Mr. Daniel Costa, the founder and CEO of Globatom. Daniel, welcome. Thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, this is uh, a pleasure meeting you guys here and spending some time with, uh, with the gang and see what, what I can do to help yeah. founders and co-founders out there. For sure. Super appreciate it. Well, I think it's always fun for founders or you know, our audience to hear about how you came up with the idea of this business. What is, first of all, what does Globatom do? Sure. Uh, we are a SaaS solution for supply chain and international trade. So meaning all the goods that you see out there, all the shipments that are moving around the world uh, from China, Brazil, Europe, you name it. Uh, they come from one place and end up in the U.S. or somewhere else. And we basically built a solution to break the fragmentation and the lack of transparency that exists in supply chain right now and help uh, shippers and carriers and freight forwarders and 3PLs all connect into one simple intuitive solution. So we provide uh, visibility into what we do uh, what and to how to ship your, your uh, goods from one place to another. So we focus on B2B. Uh, also collaboration within your own supply chain, and finally performance optimization or KPIs, dashboards, visualization, and so on and so forth. So we help you track, manage uh, everything in supply chain that is needed in a very simple solution. Okay. That makes sense. And so the, the paying customers are the people who want to ship things? Uh, yeah, the B2B companies that actually want to ship things. So basically uh, Nordstrom or a Nike or... Any of those guys that actually want to ship stuff around the world, those are the guys that we're focusing on. They move a ton of goods. And, uh, I mean, I come from that side of the world. I'm actually uh, a former direct imports global sourcing guy that worked with Fortune 500 companies and basically grew up in that world and saw how things were moving and how uh, how dark or, or murky it is to get the shipments move and actually just understanding the, the process and knowing where your inventory is at all times, calculating costs and so on. So I spent quite a bit of time in China, uh, Asia, just doing this stuff, working in consolidation centers, deconsolidation centers, working with freight forwarders, 3PLs, you name it. So I started thinking, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. And with technology the way it's evolving right away, well, it's the time, the prime time to get out there and just focus on this business. So I built this about five years ago, really picked it up with my dev team and my CTO, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, about two years ago, uh, we started ramping up with a couple of, ramping up, sorry, with a couple of customers, uh, East Coast, West Coast, you name it, um, international customers as well. So it's been great, you know, a lot of challenges to get it out there, but it's basically a problem that the first thing that we did is just focus on what the customer is looking for. Right. So not really just building something that is completely separated from the customer. We started really from the customer stand, standpoint and building something for them. Okay. So and that's how we, uh, this is where we are right now. Yeah. yeah you know, was it was it hard? Uh, I mean, like uh, this is a scenario that I think a lot of founders uh, sometimes are in. With they're, they're they're in some existing business that they have a unique perspective on. They get to see a problem that most people don't get to see, and then they decide I want to go leave leave what I'm doing and go try to solve that problem. Um, I've I've seen that happen a, a number of times. So to me, like the hardest part seems to be you you leave. You, you go out, you build this tool that you think would be useful for the for the problem that you used to have um, when you were in this other organization. And then at some point, you have to bring that tool to people that maybe you used to work with or other people in this space and try to try to uh, sell them on the idea that this can solve their problem. Tell, tell me about that process. Like once you once you had the product up and running, how did did you have customers? Uh, did, did you I guess did you have customers lined up when when you were working on it? Did you come to them when it was fully baked and say, "Hey, here it is. Do, do you do you want this?" 
Um, tell us, tell us about that process because that's to me is always kind of interesting that when you bring this new thing to the people that you think need the need the solution, but you don't always know until you you bring it to them whether they'll they'll actually open their wallets. Yeah, so we spend a lot of time interviewing customers before we even built uh, the the solution. Um, there was a lot of different pieces that came together, but we did um, two things. I mean, we developed and did business development at the same time. Uh, not because we wanted to sell right away because we were not ready, but we also wanted to know from a customer standpoint that what we were building actually made sense to them. You know, it's, it's, that's the best thing out there. There's nothing like spending a ton of money and resources and something that nobody's going to use. So that's one of the best thing, the first things that we did. And we actually did a lot of shadowing and customer interviews, but also working with the customers that we have right now and understanding, well, is this going to solve your immediate problems, yay or nay? So we saw a lot of gaps in there, which was phenomenal for us. And we build a solution for that. Is it tough? Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I can tell you we focus on enterprise solutions and enterprise customers. And it takes time. Uh, customers in that side, for multiple reasons, and I come from that side of the world, they take their sweet time to make a decision and to move forward. It doesn't matter how, how uh, cheap you put it at, how easy it is to implement. Always, there's always going to be something that you need to work with them. So it's very rare when you find a guy that says, yes, so we're going to start working on this one, and it sounds phenomenal, uh, and let's get it working. Uh, one of the places where we found, I think, the, the majority of the friction in the process was the freight forwarding uh, side of the world, um, because that's where a lot of the manual processes are being moved. And that created a lot of, well, I don't know if I want to work on this one. There's other tools out there, but they really don't speak to the shipper, but that's fine. And I don't know. And it's just like a very different dynamic with those guys. So I decided to go back to the shipper, which is kind of where we are, uh, and say, we're going to focus on you guys and build your, help you bring over your supply chain team and your current partners to the mix. Um, one of the things that we did follow and found in the process is that the element of non-disruption. So meaning, yeah, the word out there in technology is let's disrupt an industry and make it, change it around. This is supply chain and you're dealing with people's inventory. So you're dealing with people's livelihood. So trying to go there and say, hey, I'm going to completely disrupt your inventory process and your supply chain is not doesn't go well. So we actually, our system is non-disruptive at all. It empowers the process and makes it intuitive. But it took us a, ton, a, lot, a while to just get to a process where we understood what we actually needed to do, how to integrate with their solutions that they have, how to integrate with their partners, how to collaborate with those guys, and really bring that element of collaboration. Even with that, with that you'd have to be extremely persistent. You have to call the customers all the time. You have to be in there all the time because they'll forget about you. It doesn't matter if your solution is phenomenal. They'll forget about you. They'll be like, well, this guy doesn't really follow up. Uh, I don't care. I have another, I have 50 other initiatives that I have to push forward. So you have to be persistent. And that's, you know, as a CEO and founder, that's one of the things that you, I, I wear many hats. I have to sit down and sell. I have to sit down and run financials one day and I have to do investor presentations and do funding and work with attorneys and it just happens. But uh, customers is always probably one of the places where I love the most to spend my time and following up with those guys is extremely important and never get discouraged. I mean, they'll, they'll say yes and they'll keep you waiting for months and then suddenly one day they say, yeah, this is great. I'm ready to implement. And that is where we are right now with a couple of really major customers which has helped us quite a bit. We literally signed a good POC yesterday, which will lead us to about, I don't know, probably 250,000 shipments, which would be phenomenal for us. 
uh, on a growing pattern, pattern, but it takes time and you have to be able to navigate the waves. I mean, there's going to be a ton of waves and this, when they say entrepreneurship is a roller coaster, it is. It is a roller coaster, but it's a phenomenal roller coaster. So you have to be very, you have to be tough and keep going every single day. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So this, your tool provides like a, a visualization of where things are, where, where your shipments are at any given point in time. Yeah, that's one of the things that we do, but we actually allow the whole process to manage the documentation, anything from bills of lading to master bill of lading to commercial invoices, country of origin, anything that is required by to be processed, it's loaded in our system, managed in our system. We do a rating and a quotes basically in the system, very simple for customers to run. Uh, we also do the tracking component and visibility, and we do add a component of uh, um, uh, traceability of where things are. But the final piece that we do is the visualization side of it. It's where is the, the dashboard that gives you a true meaning of what it means. You know, uh, KPIs, uh, tr- simple KPIs on how to run your stuff. How is it going? How is my supply chain evolving? Things that we can do that. And we have a component of machine learning as well, or AI. AI or predictive analytics. So we're gathering data from external sources and internal sources. So what do you do with all that data? So we actually provide a machine learning component that allows the customers and, and to route stuff better, maximize their in-transit times, uh, maximize their in- inventory terms, um, and just find better solutions to ship something from Ningbo in China all the way to Chicago. What is the best option to do it? Uh, we do also tap into uh, data from news outlets out there and we let customers know, hey, by the way, the port of Seattle is on a strike right now. Don't send stuff over there. We recommend you send stuff directly to Long Beach or something else. It just happened two weeks ago. The ports of Portugal were went into strike and we actually had shipments going to Portugal. So we had to route stuff and tell customers, by the way, don't ship anything to Portugal at this point. Just divert it to Spain or something like that. Right. So we do that constantly with machine learning. Machine learning, interesting. <clears throat> How long did that strike last? Is that strike still ongoing or is it? Uh, I think it's almost done, but it's a European strike, so it might take a little bit longer than that. But uh, it's, it happened in the West Coast of the U.S. as well. You saw that two years ago. And that's when it also hit me. It's like, well, this is ridiculous. I mean, there's there's probably 30 ships just waiting outside to be processed can't believe that nobody said proactively, let's not stop doing that and just send them elsewhere. Uh, you had about three months worth of backlog in the, in the system for everybody else that was shipping stuff. Mm-hmm. So we took a proactive approach and saying, hey, guys, we're going to do this and recommend before every before a customer pushes a product out, we're going to recommend and look at what the, the options are. So there's no disruptions. Sort of like, <clears throat> sort of like ways for shipping. You can call it ways for shipping in that sense. Yeah. I mean, it works with that. We work with uh, all the different carriers and... We make it happen. So we use a ton of data. So that's one of data's data's king. I've always been in data, and I love data. I'm not a developer, yeah. but uh, uh, so I come from finance and data analytics background and strategy. So that's where I kind of started building this stuff and saying, "Hey, data! I love to get data from different sources." So <clears throat> we have external, internal data. So we do marry that data for customers all the time. So if you're going <clears> to <throat> ship, if you're going to ship to somewhere on the west coast of the United States, say you want to ship something to Portland. I mean, your typical choice would be the, like, presume the port of Portland or something. But I mean, could the, I, do other port? Do some ports work on faster speeds than others? So that even if you're trying to ship something to Portland, perhaps it's faster to go through Long Beach from time to time. Or how does that? Yeah, actually, we do analyze that, and I can tell you certain ports and probably that are not very efficient. Uh, Seattle is getting better. Okay, <laughs> it okay. is getting much better, and we have actually talked to the port of Seattle a couple times. Um, 
But uh, yeah, we analyze customs. Yeah, so one of the things that our tool does is analyze timelines. So they were looking at how many days in transit, how many days does it take to get it out of the port, and we actually track that stuff. So we're looking at hey, customs in Miami, for example. Big example over here. Customs in Miami might take a little bit longer than Savannah, than New York. So, for example, in Portland, uh, sometimes it's easier just to actually the port of Portland doesn't do a lot of volume anymore. Okay. So we can say, hey guys, if you ship it to Tacoma and put it on a truck or put it on a train, uh, you save five days. It's faster. Customs goes great. You can get your product in, uh, you know, instead of getting in 50 days, you get in 40. Wow. Things like that. That is things that we're doing. Sure. Along with like estimates of costs. Yeah. And we analyze every single location that is moving along along the way. So the more data we ingest, the better it is for us to get better better analytics and predictive analytics on what we're doing. Wow. Who else collects data on the uh, on on sort of the efficiency of ports? Well, it's not it's a, it's a, it's from our side when we're looking at ports, we're looking at hey, how long, how long did it take you to get the vessel in? Right. Uh, how long did it take you to push the product out of the vessel into customs, and then when we actually see it on the truck. How do I, that's when we say, okay, it took um, five days to get it right. out of the port or two days or three days, whatever the number is. And that's, that's the data that we're collecting. Sure. And we actually work with freight forwarders too. So freight forwarders give us information on this particular shipment got stopped, uh, being sent to x-ray to be checked by customs. So based on the number of shipments that go in, we say, Hey, uh, what percentage of the shipments are being stopped versus, you know, uh, which ones are actually going through. So that's one of the things that we're looking into. And again, we're ports compete against each other around right. the country all the time. So you're yep. looking at Seattle's looking for volume. They're competing against Vancouver versus New York versus everybody else. So there's certain things that we're looking into. How do we maximize the port efficiencies for the customer? Ultimately, our customer is the shipper and the 3PL and the freight forwarder. So how do we help them move goods faster and better? Right. Yeah, that's, a, that's really <clears throat> exciting. How, how, so do you use, um, uh, how do you use IoT or do you use IoT... How do you use it? We do, actually. We do have, uh, so one of the things that we do as a company is we're an integrator, meaning, uh, we understand that supply chain is a, it's made out of the links in the chain. So what we do is make sure that we connect all those links in the chain. So we're not a hardware company, we're a software company. Uh, it's the same way we're not a carrier, so we provide, but we're providing the interface for all these guys to work together in one place. So meaning, uh, we have sensor companies that we work with. So if a customer actually wanted to have a sensor and we want to have that data, uh, we do it. And okay. we work with a couple of sensor companies where companies are asking for, hey, I would like to put this sensor in my container uh, to gather information on temperature, uh, location, light, humidity, shock, all that kind of stuff. We do it. Um, and we've actually built solutions for that. So that's where the IoT component comes in because we actually are connecting all the different pieces online, making sure that information flows to all those guys. Right. And, uh there's a couple of, uh, yeah, there's a couple of cellular providers that we are starting to engage to get the process going faster and better. So, okay. Yeah, because yeah, all the sensors <clears throat> need cell, primarily cell. Yep. But we're not a hardware company. We just bring the sensors together to make sure. it happen. So basically what we're looking into is rather than a customer going to 50 different places to get their information, our platform gives them the full story of what's going on. Wow, that's great. How how has uh has Amazon and like their their evolution of their you know they seem to be the the uh, perfect example of like optimized supply chains all over the world um, shipping products from everywhere to everywhere and, and setting like a new high a new bar for for what people need to do <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah do, I mean is is that right and is that driving like a demand for what you do do, do you think people are f- feeling the pressure to be more op- more optimized in terms of how they move things. 
Yeah, no, that's a great question, and it's true. I mean, Amazon is, I would say, first and foremost, like Walmart used to be in the 90s and the 80s, and still now, it's a great logistics and supply chain company. Uh, I mean, that's what they are, and that's what they're known for. They're, they're, a, they're a logistics <clears throat> supply chain company hidden as a retailer. Exactly. And that's what, <laughs> I mean, if you read all the business cases on, on Walmart and the Amazon and the evolution, that's what I believe. I believe that they're a very well-oiled supply chain uh, and logistics company. So, of course, it puts pleasure, pressure on all the different companies out there. It puts pressure on the retailers out there uh, thinking, how do I move my inventory faster? How do I get things in front of my customer faster? How do I, you know, how do I move overall stuff from warehouses and so on? And Amazon does a phenomenal job to getting it from getting it from the vendor to the final customer. So being efficient, it's extremely important for them. So the old school ways of supply chain where, you know, I rely heavily on my freight forwarder and my 3PL to tell me what to do are starting to shift where the power now resides on the shipper and they're the ones saying, well, I want to know how much I'm paying. I want to know where my inventory is all the times. And I want to have technology to tell me how to do manage that process. Right. And ultimately what our game is, and just us coming from that side of the world, is how do we make your inventory turns faster, better? And that's that's what we're doing. So eventually I would probably aim to say that what we're doing is turning that black box that is a container into a completely transparent part of your supply chain that you can access at any point in time uh, whether it's in the Pacific Ocean or it's in the port, you can still access that data and make decisions on the go. And that's what we're actually doing. And that's the goal of our company. So we're going to make that black box into something extremely transparent, somebody that you can access at all times so it can help you move your inventory much, much faster. Right. And help you compete with the Amazons or be part of the Amazons or whatever you want to do. I mean, we we love Amazon. They're great. We're, we do a lot of work with Microsoft, so different on that side. So... Yeah, it's a it's a it's one of those companies to follow, of course. So you had to find a development team because you're not a you're not a te- technical developer yourself. No, I and I was very lucky two and a half years ago. Two years ago, I met my uh, CTO okay. through an advisor of ours, and uh, we just clicked and started working together. It's probably one of the hardest things. I actually come. I I'm not from Seattle originally. I'm not from the from the West Coast. I'm from. The East Coast, I from Florida. Okay. So finding good developers in Florida, it's tough. <laughs> so I made the decision to move to the West Coast to really start building this initiative and finding a better team to get it all done. So you chose Seattle? I chose Seattle. So yeah. one from sunny the sunny state to this place I have to here. <laughs> uh, which I love by the way. I will never move back. So yeah. I love Seattle so so I met my, my, my CTO and business partner right now. And from there, it has been phenomenal. I mean, it's just, uh, it started looking, seeing, there's nothing like seeing your, your idea come to life. For sure. Uh, and that's what, well, he allowed us to make it happen. That's really <clears> exciting. <throat> that's yeah. really exciting. Did, did you raise money around the idea or did you bootstrap for a while? Tell us a little bit about the story of how you, how you were able to bring this to market. Sure. I bootstrapped for a long time. I started with a different set of co-founders and a different set of uh, developers, uh, which didn't move at the pace that we were moving. Uh, we were very lucky. We started working with an accelerator here in the in Seattle, and at the time, the technology was just evolving. But I started having conversations with other companies uh, in the pharmaceutical space, and uh, luckily enough, I actually found my my current CTO at the same time, and we just started building and building at the same time. And 
we I bootstrapped this for probably about a year and a half. Then we found investors uh, outside of Seattle. We actually found investors in California, and um, then we started like mass production, just the speeding up the production on the product. Uh, at the same time, like I said, building business development and doing the stuff that we needed with our customers. So in this process, I mean, uh, we did. Uh, I mean, you're going to have a lot of changes. So yeah. it's no, it doesn't, it's not stable at all. So you start the team. I mean, I come from a very entrepreneurial background. I come from a very entrepreneurial uh, grad school and everything is great, but they tell you that the team is extremely important. It is. Uh, you do have to find a good team to follow up. And, and when the team doesn't work, you need to make changes very quickly and find uh, different ways to get the, the idea around. And you have to be very passionate and persistent about what you have because things are going to change dramatically in the process. Um, I think I went through multiple changes to get to where we are right now. And um, there will always be changes. So the bootstrapping, the investment came through. We're actually in our second round of investment as we speak. Uh, we are actually opened offices uh, uh, in Silicon Valley starting last week, actually. Okay. Uh, through an accelerator program that we actually were invited to. Okay. Uh, so we're going to have offices there for probably the next year or so. Oh, that's great. Which accelerator program? <clears throat> we're going to work with uh, Plug and Play. Okay. Okay. So great. they launched this uh, supply chain logistics thing, and it was great for us. Uh, great connections, great companies that we can work with. Um, so like the DHL, Maersk, and all those guys, we're going to be working with them. Oh, great. Which helps us a lot. So... But, uh, I mean, uh, like I said, there's ups and downs, and there's changes in the team that you have to be able to do that, and there's changes in advisors, and this is a long, this is a really a marathon. You're, this is no no sprint at all, and people, sometimes you'll find people that just want to be rich really fast, Right. and it doesn't work that way. It never works that way, yeah. so uh, we've had advisors and, team, and people that actually wanted that, and it didn't happen, so... It ended up being catastrophic with them and whatever. You just ended up making changes. So you just got to, like I said, learn to navigate the waves very well sure. and manage that process better. Which accelerator in Seattle was it? We started with Nine Mile Labs. Okay, great. Um, we still talk to them. They're phenomenal, even though they're not existent anymore. Yeah. And I know people say, well, another accelerator. It helps to have somebody there to push you and right. let you know when you're by yourself, when you have a team, it's always good to have somebody in there that's kind of offering you that support some some uh voice or reason once in a while i mean you get in your head sometimes so that helps us a lot with those guys yeah yeah uh, for sure and it did take us to the next step you know finding my cto working on certain things and growing as a company um but ultimately it's up to you i would always say that ultimately an idea is successful you might be you might have a very successful successful idea that customers love and want to implement but if you as a founder and a team cannot execute, it's not never gonna it's never gonna grow. How do, go you anywhere. Dis- how do you discover your pricing? Or maybe you're still discovering your pricing. No, we we did and it was basically we're a different SaaS solution, so we really don't do the typical licensee agreements. Um, the way we do it is based on uh, per shipment basis or per transactional basis. Okay. Uh, we everybody has access to all the modules that they need to, so we don't block anything like that. And I think it came from years of experience working in the industry and also dealing with capex projects in different companies, and seeing that you know what it takes them about a year or six months to a year to make a decision on whether they want to implement the system or not, because that's the capex project that they have, uh, and it becomes a fixed expense. And a lot of these systems, they end up using only 10% of the system. Mm. So what we said is, guys, why don't we just work the way you work? So basically, we flow with your seasonality. When you ship stuff, 
you make money, we make money. Right. So that's the way we do it. And you. we just start a per transaction fee that depends on the number of shipments that you do on a yearly basis. And that's basically the way we worked it. So it's, yeah. it took us a while to get there. Um, and so far it, it has worked. Um, I mean, there's different tiers that we worked on with different customers, depending on how much movement they have. So, so it's, uh, it works. And there's an integration fee, of course, that we do with them. But, but so far, the way I see it is we want to fluctuate the way your business fluctuates. Gotcha. So we're basically your partners in this one as well. Right. So. Yeah, that makes good, that makes good sense. That's got to be much more palatable for customers to, to. Yeah. And it's, it's not a massive fee. So it's not like we're charging them thousands of dollars for shipping. No, we do a very, very nominal value for them to, to manage. Right. Do you, I, t- I take it you're, you need to reach a certain volume of shipments to sort of get the airplane above the treetops, or maybe you've already reached that volume. I, I don't, I mean, is that, is that? It takes time. So, so we do, so I look at it very differently. I mean, yes, dollars are important and you got to make, and you got to, you know, break even and get cash flow positive and all that kind of stuff that I, I'm a finance guy too, but that's great. But I look at it as far as volume of shipments. Right. If I can, if we can get in our platform to move millions of shipments on a yearly basis, it actually does translate into revenue in the future. So that's what we're doing right now. We're working on loading shipments, working with customers, maximizing their efficiencies and make them feel comfortable with the technology. So year over year, we're going to grow the number of shipments going into platform. So right. that's the way I look at it. So one of our KPIs is really looking into growth of shipments. Right. That's the big thing that you're thinking about. Yeah. That, that's the big KPI. <clears throat> that's my big KPI. And after that, I look at, well, revenue per shipment, all that kind of stuff, which is important. But uh, I think year two, it will become more essential in that sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> that's that's great. Any parting thoughts for uh, for other founders, people that are getting started or that are trying to sell into business, things you learned along the way that, that might might be worth sharing before we wrap up? Uh, sure. I mean, uh, like I said before, this is a roller coaster. You have to be extremely persistent. And if this is what you want to do and you're willing to work hard for it and the ups and downs, uh, I mean, I heard this before, I think in one of my past lectures, the odds are against you <laughs> and it's true. Uh but once in a while, things start turning around and things start getting much better for you guys and you're out there. Uh, listen to your customer all the time. Uh, do get good attorneys. <laughs> that always helps. Uh, they are your, your partners in certain places. So they could, they could screw you <laughs> or they could be very good at, to help you with this right. stuff. And right. we, we, we learned that throughout and we have phenomenal attorneys right now. So, uh, but, but I mean, it's, it's, this is a matter of persistence and dedication and yeah, it is working hard and you have to, if you have families, you know, work your, with your wife and significant other to make sure that uh, they're, on bo- they're on the same boat uh, and learn to disconnect once in a while. Say, hey, <laughs> can you hey, do, can you do that, or do you have troubles? <laughs> I've I've learned I've learned throughout the years how to disconnect a little bit and say, hey, today my wife will probably say completely the opposite. <laughs> but yeah. but say, you know what? Uh, right now my phone is yeah. somewhere else, and I'm going to pay attention to you. It's important. It helps you keep your balance oh, in, sure. in life. So for sure, it's good. But also enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the team. There's moments where it's going to be rough, but but it's fun as well. At the end of the day, it's fun as well. I mean. 
it's yeah, a, it's a really great balance of what we do. Well, congratulations on making making <clears throat> the progress you made so far. So, if people want to know about Globatom, just go to Globatom G L O B A T O M dot com, and you can find you can find their solution. And uh, yeah, Mike and I will definitely think about whether we, we you know we'd love to uh, you know just see you guys grow. And if we can do awesome. anything in the meanwhile, that you know in the process help you connect anybody, please let us know. We'd love to we'd love to do that. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, no, this is great. I'm, our website is changing in the next couple of weeks or so so you'll see new, new things out there that we've done as a company um yeah no th- phenomenal anything that you need uh, please just don't hesitate yeah yeah we're excited to be here daniel costa thank you so much for being on the show awesome yeah and thanks everyone else for listening we'll see you all next week all right guys thank you thank you